you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Courtney Reagan in today for Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, a moment of truth for the rally as big tech earnings get underway. Microsoft and Alphabet kick things off in just a few hours from now. The investment committee is standing by to break down what is at stake for these critical reports. So joining us for this hour is Josh Brown, Jim Labenthal, Stephanie Link, and Jason Snipe. Let's get you a quick check on the market to see where things are as we await these key results after the bell. We are in positive territory, although marginally so across the board. The Nasdaq leading the way, higher by six tenths of a percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has been on both sides of the flat line today, but right now holding positive above uh, that marker at two by two tenths of a percent. Of course, the yield on the 10 year sitting below 4% at 3.89%. We are leading the way with materials and information technology for the sectors. Financials and industrials are lagging. VIX, though, is uh, still pretty quiet below 14, and WTI is higher today, but still sitting just slightly under $80 a barrel. So we got a lot going on here. We have a Fed decision tomorrow. We've got big tech earnings. Jim, I want to start with you. Um, Alphabet is coming up here after the bell. There are so many different ways that we can slice this. But if you're an investor, what is most important to you? Is it cloud? Is it AI innovation? Where are you looking? Well, it is AI innovation. But before we go there, I think the most important thing for me as an investor in Alphabet is that it's one of the most attractively priced of the FANGMA uh. stocks. So, you know, there's a lot of debate about whether this stock or that stock that's leading the market is too high and could have, you know, a trapdoor be fall, uh, forming underneath it. I don't think that's the case in Alphabet. Um, earlier this year, there were, there were some knocks on Alphabet about their costs having to go up to compete in AI, particularly with Microsoft. It seems to have shaken those off. This is just a solid tech company that I would expect a solid earnings report for. I don't expect this is a stock that tomorrow you see it's up 10%. You know, maybe it's up 1% or 2%. Um, but I think it's going to continue to be a very attractively priced technology stock that's not only easy to own, Courtney, but it's easy to buy even at these levels. Hmm. Josh, what do you think about, about much of them? Yeah, that's true. Josh, what do you think about these levels for Alphabet going into earnings? Uh, I think it's buyable, but Google's got a. I, I would be careful buying it, quote unquote, for the earnings because Google's got a spotty track record of telegraphing enough to the street to get them comfortable with the number that they end up reporting. This is not a company that plays the game particularly well, and there have been over the last couple of years some, I don't want to say shockers, but some downside surprises. So if like your sole reason for buying it is because you think the earnings coming out are going to be an upside catalyst, well, you know more than I do. So, so uh, I go with, go with God. I don't invest that way, and I'm not somebody that trades stocks specifically for any given earnings report. I would rather trade the reaction. What I would tell you is if they take this stock down uh, because it's like light by a penny or they say something about the ad market that people don't love, for me, that would be a buying opportunity. Google is going to be one of the preeminent players in AI. 
Uh, Sergey Brin is back, not just for lunch. He's back in his office. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that extensively. The founders of the company have returned, uh, like, like Gandalf in the Two Towers, just at the moment where they're needed. And, uh, you know, Google's working on its own uh, AI environment with uh, TensorFlow and its own chips, uh, uh, tensor processing units or TPUs. They're not gonna be left out of this race. I just popped into uh, a Google Doc the other day to work on something uh, for, for my daughter who's in high school, and the Google uh, AI suggestion engine is in full force in there, doing all of the things that Microsoft has going on with OpenAI. So uh, I think this is a long-term play on the big themes that are gonna take us into 2030 in tech, and Alphabet is gonna play there. So if you get a bad reaction on an earnings report, my instinct would be to buy it um, and, and not sell it. Jason, I'm, I'm wondering, though, how much of the stock move for Alphabet is because of the excitement around AI. It's up something like 38% year yep. to date. Yep. No, I, and I think that's played a role for all the uh, mega cap tech stocks, honestly, this kind of the discussion around AI. And for me, as, as it relates to Google tonight, what I'm looking for is ad revenue. Mm. What, is, what does ad revenue look like going forward? I, I know in the last quarter, there's a little bit of a slowdown there. Um, I'm also looking for the cost cutting. Obviously, they, they've laid some people off. Let's see what the material impact on margins are uh, going forward. And Google Cloud. Google Cloud, was it was the first quarter of profitability last quarter. Let's see if there's some continued acceleration going to this quarter. It's an interesting point about cost cutting. A number of the names that reported here in the last 24 hours sort of juiced up earnings by a lot of cost cutting. Stephanie, you were nodding your head about ad spending. Of course, that's a big one that we think about. What about also uh, the YouTube revenue growth? Can that be, can that, the, the growth slowing, can we reverse that? Yeah, I think you can. It, I think it is all about digital ads. Mm -hmm. Really, I do. Because I think you are going to see a rebound in that and that will be positive. And then it's also going to be about cloud, which Jason just mentioned, right? That's, those are the two pieces I think that people look for and also Maybe there is some margin upside from the cost cutting. And so maybe you get some operating leverage mm. if you get the top line a little bit better than expected. You know I own Meta, mm. and I, I care about digital ads for them, too. So I'm watching tonight very closely as, as to how it pertains to Meta tomorrow. Yeah, and obviously I, we can go there since you brought it up, the, the year of efficiency with yeah. Meta. I mean, <laughs> is that, that a big part of the thesis for why you're why you're continuing to look at Meta. Yeah, I mean, I own it. I've been right. trimming it because it's up 144% yeah. year to date. It went from a total re-rate last year, mm. 11 times to 23 times. Like every day it goes up a turn, right? And I get why, because it's more than the year of efficiency. It's also about revenue growth, monetization of reels, click to message, right? And then if we get digital ads on top of that, that should be positive. All that being said, a lot of good news is priced into the stock, right? I mean, everyone was downgrading it last year. Now everyone's upgrading. It got an upgrade today. So I'll stick with it. I just don't think it needs to be 7% of my portfolio. What about threads? What do you expect to hear there? It was all this excitement in the beginning. I signed up the first day and haven't looked at it since. Yeah, it seems, <laughs> to, it, it seems to have lost a little bit of momentum, right? right? It definitely has. So I don't think that's the, the growth driver for this for this particular piece of their business. Um, but I do think AI is going to play a very important role overall. It already is mm -hmm. for reels and for click to message, right? So there's a lot of ways to win with this name. I just think you want to be prudent and, tr and trim uh, as I was buying all the way down last year. <laughs> hey, but you're, you're winning it now. Uh, Jim, what do you make of a name like Meta where there's so many different ways that you could play it? There's things we could talk about with the metaverse, which is of course the reason why they changed their name. Although they say that, I, I understand that's sort of the longer term value from their perspective and AI is shorter term, which surprises me. 
Yeah, well, uh, you're you're talking to somebody who just fundamentally, emotionally does not like social media. Okay, so <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Courtney, we, we haven't worked that well together or that much together, yeah. so you don't know that, but I'm adamantly opposed to it. You know, several months ago, I came off of Twitter because it's just a, a hate fest, and between that and the disinformation that I see on other platforms, I'm going to be that dinosaur who lives off of the modern grid, not, not actually, but just isn't on social media. Um, for that reason, it's very hard for me. This is kind of the Peter Lynch school of investing, right? You want to invest in products that you like, mm -hmm. that you believe in. So it's very hard for me to invest in it. Having said that, and this is, you know, the, the people who are invested in Meta and have done very well, much like I was saying about Alphabet, it is a very attractively priced stock. By no means do I think the rest of the world is going to come around to my take on social media. So you probably can invest in it. It's just not going to be me. All right. Also, they call Twitter X now. That's, that's a new thing. <laughs> yeah. just oh, happened. then I'll change my mind. Oh, okay. okay so you're back. You're back. Josh, what, what about you when it comes to Meta? I mean, there's a lot going on there to Stephanie's point about a total re-rating this year from last. I, look, I, I think Meta is actually, a, I, I agree with everything Stephanie said. I think it's actually a really easy story to understand what's happening there. The only real question is when does it get too carried away? Um, but the story is pretty linear. It was a bloated situation in 2021. They had vice presidents to report to other vice presidents to report to other vice presidents. They had people doing TikToks about throwing impromptu picnics on a Tuesday morning on the roof of the building. It, 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 it was a joke and they were fat and happy and a lot of the uh, tech giants just like them looked very similar. And it's amazing what happens when you realize how many people you can get rid of who aren't really adding anything, and it's actually a double benefit. Number one, obviously the expense comes off, but number two, the people who are actually there and wanna do something and wanna ship code, all of a sudden they believe in the mission again and they get energized. So you get a double benefit when you, when you clear out, okay, that's great. So the stock is like more than doubled, um, on, on that happening. So what's the next leg? How does it double from here? Obviously, it gets much tougher. So I think Stephanie basically has this story right. She has for a long time. Uh, I'm not saying sell the stock. I'm just trying to understand, like, where is the next leg of growth going to come from? It's not going to be the metaverse, unfortunately. Uh, it might be, you know, something to do with wearables, or it might be a re-energization of the social media platform with threads. Um, but, you know, how much of that's already in the stock? And I think a lot of it. So I'm not in it uh, individually. I obviously have exposure through the queues, through, you know, various ETFs and funds, but I don't own the stock personally at this time. Okay. Well, AI is expected to be front and center when Microsoft reports. Our Steve Kovac joins us with more. Steve, what are you expecting when it comes to AI in this big name? Yeah, Court. Well, Microsoft already gave a gift to investors last week, announcing pricing for its AI chatbot, which it's calling Copilot. Now, this will cost enterprise customers an extra $30 per user per month and work with office apps like Outlook, Teams, and Word. Now, estimates are all over the place, but the potential market is huge. There are hundreds of millions of Microsoft 365 users. But no word yet on when this will be available. Only a small group of Microsoft customers are testing it now. So look for more clarity on Microsoft's earnings call tonight on when they expect to realize sales from Copilot. Another potential AI beneficiary, Azure Cloud. That division's growth has slowed quite a bit over the last year, though the AI boom could spur more demand for cloud services. Analysts expecting Azure Cloud growth of around 25%. That'd be down from 40% 
growth in the year-ago quarter. A few other things to pay attention to, Court. Foreign exchange is more favorable than it was in the year-ago quarter thanks to the weakening dollar. And Windows licensing revenue will give a good hint at consumer demand for PCs, which cratered last year after two years of a pandemic boost. That segment was down 28% year-over-year in Microsoft's last earnings report, Court. Interesting stuff. Thanks for laying the table for us, Steve. Jason, you own Microsoft. Are you obviously expecting a deceleration here in the cloud? And, and if so, what do you expect to see going forward? Can it reaccelerate, or is that yeah. just the trend we're going to see for some time as this market gets bigger and more competitive? Yeah, and I think I think some decelerate some deceleration is somewhat reasonable. I mean, the, the cloud exploded through the pandemic. I mean, we were seeing 50% year-over-year acceleration numbers. Um, so seeing it at 25%, I think, is, is reasonable. I think what's, what's interesting, what Steve just mentioned, which I'm really looking forward to seeing how it plays out as a consumer, um, PC demand. How do, how, how, do, how do those products look like? How, how are they growing? Um, because they've clearly they created over the last two years. There was a lot of lot of run up there. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, you know, and I, and I just think overall, the co-pilot, the chat GBT box, and now making it available to, on the retail side. It's going to be interesting. Let's see how that works out. And I do think the dollar weakening will be a tailwind, not necessarily for this quarter, but for the next quarter going forward. Jim, you own Microsoft as well. What are you hoping to hear? Um, nothing surprising is what I'm hoping to hear. I mean, this is apropos of our earlier discussion, Courtney. This is an expensive FANGMA stock. And, um, you know, what I'm really counting on here is for this just to be a large portion of the S&P 500 as money comes into the S&P 500 and the markets overall over the rest of this year, Microsoft will perform. But I'm not expecting results tonight that will propel it higher after the run that it's had. What I'm hoping is that there's no news that opens up any sort of downside to it. I don't think there will be. In summary, what I'm trying to say is I'm not expecting outperformance here. I'm also not expecting underperformance. This is the market in Microsoft. You want a vanilla report. No, yep. no surprises. <laughs> yep. Please, Stephanie. not from not, Microsoft. Can I, I say one thing on this? Elsewhere. Vanilla, yes. you better get better than vanilla because it's trading at 36 times forward estimates. Well, but, 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 but to my point about it being such, and you know there's a large weight in all the indices. I know, 7% if of the money 500. comes into the market, which it will as long as Microsoft doesn't disappoint, uh, disappoint, then it's going to be fine. No, I hear yeah. you, but I don't. I mean, the expectations are quite high, and you can't have plain, plain vanilla with high expectations. Get some sprinkles in there, okay? Get some sprinkles. Some sprinkles. Josh, Josh you, you want to jump in? Yeah, I want to. I have a question for Jim. As a purported value investor, um, <laughs> I, like I, I love Microsoft. I, I love my. I love Microsoft, but just let me let me do my shtick here, and then you can react. <laughs> it's a, it's a twenty-five times. Enterprise value to EBITDA multiple right now. It's 12 times enterprise value to revenue. It's 43 times, 43, enterprise value to free cash flow. It's the second largest stock by market cap on the planet. Every one of those metrics is not just a little bit above the three, five, and 10 year median valuation. It's substantially above. The stock is 27% above its 200 day moving average as extended as I think Microsoft has been in the last 10 years, quite frankly, 5% um, above the 50 and an RSI of 60, which not quite overbought, but pretty close. Like, what has to happen for this stock to just stay where it is? 
let alone not fall down 10%. I, I'm trying to understand it. Maybe there's maybe I skip the chapter in Graham and Dodd and, and you can help me. No, 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 no. Listen, Josh, I think I think, Josh, you, you know my answer because we've been doing this for 10 years together, which is frankly how long I just want to make you say it one more time. <laughs> you want me to say that? I, I love you, Josh. No, um, no. Look, the, I've held it for a long time. It's had different multiples from the time that I bought it to now. But what you also know, Josh, is that I hold this to my disadvantage at about half the overall market weight. Now, let me say that again. That's been a disadvantage this year. If you want to have a stock like Microsoft, about six and a half, seven percent of the S&P 500, and you're not going to have any position in that, that's one heck of an, of an active bet for a manager that you think Microsoft has a fatal flaw to it. I'm not making that bet. I'm already making enough of a bet at having about half the market weight. Uh, I, can't, I can't go lower than that. It's just too perilous for me as a portfolio manager putting together a portfolio of stocks. Now, Josh, the contrary of this is you well know I've got overweights in materials, energy, industrials. That's where I'm willing to take my bets. But I'm not going to take an even stronger bet that I'm going to be out of Microsoft just because it's at 35 times earnings. Fair enough. This is Great uh, answer, Jim. <laughs> this is fodder for us to discuss, I'm sure, tomorrow once we actually know some of the results. But we're going to turn now to the Fed. We do have a key rate decision. That is coming tomorrow. In a CNBC Fed survey, we have 47 percent of people saying that stocks are either somewhat or significantly overpriced for a soft landing. What do you make of that, Stephanie? We're definitely in a soft landing patch right now. I don't know how long it lasts for because we have to wait to see what the impacts are, the lag effects of all of these rate increases. That being said, I actually took comfort in American Express's conference call about the consumer. Consumer in the U.S. grew 10 percent in their quarter. International grew 16 percent. Teeny had record orders. Um, so to me, that speaks about the strength of the consumer because the job market is so strong, because wages are so high. And I think with it being 70 percent of the economy, that's why I keep an eye on the consumer. Jim and I will talk about manufacturing all day long. We love that. That's one of our one of our passions. But the consumer really matters. As a result, you add it all up. I expect no surprises tomorrow. They they're going to raise another one because inflation is still too high. But the economy can handle it, and that's why I mention up the, the, the consumer. The consumer is hanging in. And as long as the consumer hangs in, they're going to continue to raise and maybe they keep it high for a long period of time. Uh, but I think there's enough momentum in, in the economy. Yeah, consumer confidence, of course, coming in higher than yes. expectations. Two-year high? Yeah, the highest since June 2021 or mm -hmm. something. So, yeah, the consumer is really hanging in there. I, I'm and surprised. you know this, and you know this because you cover them. I, I'm somewhat surprised. Yeah. I, you know, no one likes the higher prices that we've been dealing with with inflation, but we've taken it on somehow and sort of yeah. Plowed, yeah. plowed ahead. Jason, what do you expect from Powell? What do you want him to say in the commentary? What does the market need to hear? Yeah, I think I think to Steph's point, I don't think we'll hear anything surprising. I mean, they, they've been very uh, resolute with their commentary, you know, uh, uh, over the last several quarters. I don't I don't think there'll be anything surprising. There obviously will be a quarter basis point hike. I think what we'll talk about, however, is data dependency. You know, they're going to they have it. They'll have Jackson Hole in August. They'll look to maybe make another move potentially in September. Um, but to, to Steph's point, I mean, the consumer is strong. We have a we have a. Uh, very tight labor market. CPI has got a three handle on it. it. The travel from three to two is will be likely very challenging. But I think the softest soft landing camp is only growing, and I think that's positive for the Fed. 
Jim, do you think that we've landed or are we still landing? <laughs> I can't figure out where we are in terms of the tents. Yeah, no, I think it's a good question. And a few months ago, I started saying, I think we have landed. I think the landing has happened. That was, however, before the last couple of rate hikes that still have gone on. So we aren't landed yet just by definition of whatever rate hikes have happened in the last six months or more still have not had an effect. Um, however, I, I think there's a pretty good chance that the soft landing is in place just because of the strength of the labor market. I would feel a lot better about that if we got some indication from the Fed that they're willing to entertain the notion that they've won. Mm. That's what's been missing for the last six to nine months is this idea from the Fed that, hey, you know what, you've won the battle. You've actually stuck the landing. Nobody is willing to say that. Um, the data, I think, proves that. But, you know, every time good data comes out, it gets explained away by somebody saying, yeah, but look at Supercore or look at this component of, of CPI. Headline CPI is 3% year over year. It's coming down. If there's a two-handle and the Fed's still raising rates, they're going to have a significant political problem putting people out of work who have lasted through high inflation only to be, you know, taken out of work at the last minute here. So I would like to see some acknowledgement from Chairman Powell that they've won. Hmm. That's a very interesting thought. Yeah, I, I don't think, I, I don't think I, you're going to get it either. There's right a lot now. of things that I want, Josh, that I don't get, but uh, <laughs> I'll still put it out yeah, there. Yeah, Gemma, I would say, I would say, Powell is terrified of being labeled as Arthur Burns Part Two. Yep. And even though what we've experienced is not 1970s-esque inflation, it's its own thing. It's pandemic-related. It's demographic. Blah blah blah. It doesn't matter. He doesn't want to wave a checkered flag, take, have the Dow go to 40,000, have the, the, the IPO window vomit up 500 new uh, <laughs> companies and SPACs. That, like, that, would be, that would almost be counterproductive. So I actually expect, I mean, what do I know? Uh, more fire and brimstone coming from him in uh, Wyoming. And honestly, the market will react or not react. It won't matter. I don't think he's going to say, all right, we're, we're all set. Gentlemen, start your engines. It's just not going to happen. Why would he do it? How does that help? It doesn't help. No, no mic drop here. I guess that's kind of a thing, right, with economic declarations. It's like recessions. We only know when we're well past it. Well, I want to make sure that we can hit on some big news that actually just happened before we started here on the air. Big news breaking on UPS within those last few minutes. So Frank Holland is going to join us now with the details. What's going on here, Frank? It looks like crisis averted. It does appear like crisis averted. Certainly some big news. So shares of UPS at one point jumping 2% on the news of a tentative deal with the Teamster. Off those highs right now, rival FedEx actually dipping into negative territory just fractionally after that news broke. So here's like the bones of, the, of this news. The deal prevents the 340,000 Teamsters workers at UPS from a potential strike that would have cost the U.S. economy an estimated $7 billion in just the first 10 days. The contract expires on July 31st. Teamsters would have had the option to strike on August 1st. But again, it appears that's been averted. I, I have to say appears right now, Courtney, because just yesterday we saw a tentative deal with the FedEx pilots. Uh, we thought there was a deal just last month. Both sides announced a tentative deal, and then it didn't work out. Certainly not as urgent as this one. However, uh, I do want to point to the fact that both sides are now calling this a win-win agreement. This is a statement from uh, Carol Tomei, the CEO of UPS. She says, this is a quote, together we reached a win-win agreement on the issues that are important to Teamsters, leadership, our employees, and to UPS and our customers. This agreement continues to reward UPS's full and part-time employees with industry-leading pay and benefits while retaining the flexibility we need to stay competitive, serve our customers, and keep our business strong. 
There was also a release from the Teamsters. Now, I want to point out, UPS says it can't confirm or deny these numbers. It says it can't talk about the financials of this deal until its earnings report coming up in August. But this is from the Teamsters on this tentative contract. They say $30 billion of new money throughout the length of the contract. Existing full and part-time workers get $2.75 more per hour this year. And then throughout the length of the contract, $7.50 per hour more over the length of the contract. And then this was a really big sticking point. Pay for part-time workers. They'll now be bumped up to $21 per hour. Teamsters also saying delivery drivers who are UPS uh, Teamsters will get $49 per hour, industry-leading pay when it comes to that area. So some big developments when it comes to not only this contract being settled, operations not being disrupted, but also the cost of labor at UPS changing significantly if this deal is ratified. Yeah, wow, those numbers are actually pretty eye-opening. $49 an hour is surprising to me. It's a, it's a good job. I think both sides have agreed it's a good job. They had some questions about the long-term pay structure, the pay for part-time workers, and also working conditions, things like air conditioning in the summer, heat in the winter, some other things like that. But again, compensation was really the sticking point. It, it, it appeared it was going to come down the wire on the part-time pay. That's been resolved, apparently, with $21 per hour for part-time workers. Wow, interesting stuff, Frank. Steph, you own UPS now that some yeah. These numbers, Frank has reported, if these end up to be true, as he points out, UPS is not going to really confirm them through earnings. How does it make you feel about holding on to yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, thing? it was an overhang on the stock. It's the reason the stock is up 8% and FedEx is up 47% year to date, right? It's lagged big time. So uh, it's, it's a removal of an overhang. That's number one. And then they have, you got puts and takes from what I gather from, from, from Frank's great reporting. $6 billion a year, if that's in fact the number, people were expecting $5 billion a year. So it's a little bit higher. However, part-time workers at 21 an hour, people were expecting 25 an hour. Mm. So they're, so it's a, maybe it's a win-win on both sides. Right. Uh, but I just think more importantly, it is an overhang lifted. The stock is not expensive. In fact, FedEx is actually now more expensive than UPS, which has historically not ever been the case. Mm. So um, FedEx is a different story. New CEO, restructuring, I get that story. But UPS should play catch-up because demand is certainly still there. I want to button up this conversation, but make sure to get Jason in because you own FedEx. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's Steph already just mentioned. I mean, the stock has been a really yeah. significant winner this year, up 47% this year, but last year was a very difficult year. So, um, for me, new CEO, new management team, focus on shareholder value. I think that's what's been playing on the stock this year for FedEx. All right, fair enough. We'll still ahead our charts of the day. We'll hit some of the biggest earnings winners and losers, how the committee is positioned. That's coming up. Halftime is back in two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor.
Welcome back to the Halftime Report. Let's get to our charts of the day. First up, RTX down after reporting a manufacturing issue with a powdered metal that's used in jet engines. Jim, you own this one. It is down sharply. The CEO was on our air earlier today sort of explaining what's going on, but this feels like a big deal. It, well, it feels like a big deal from the share price decline. Right. If you actually look at what's going on, I think this is a major overreaction. Okay. Uh, maybe they should change their name back to Raytheon from RTX. <laughs> you know, maybe, but I don't know. But um, uh, look, what's happened here is they're going to have some increased costs to fix, or maybe not even fix, just inspect some in-service engines, the GTF uh, engine line, uh, for a type of material that's in it. Now, this, this extra cost is going to be $500 million. Um, does that justify a $20 billion market? market cap reduction? I don't think so. So that's where I think there's a, an overreaction. But why is that happening? It's because anything in aerospace is disbelieved. Okay, it's disbelieved if there's a manufacturing issue because it conjures up images of the 737 Max fiasco from a few years ago. So if you hear about you know pulling engines out of service to inspect them, people say, wait a second, how long is it going to take for them to come back into service? Because it took the 737 Max. Steph, how long? Three years to <laughs> yeah. come back? Exactly. So you have a reaction? That is not likely to be the case here. And at the same time, company had a beat and raised its guidance overall. So this is this is not some sort of fatal flaw in the company, but this is an, an industry in which is a shoot first, ask questions later uh, type of response for now. And I think this is actually a buying opportunity. I was just going to say, is there it an is. opportunity it, it then? Is. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, you brought this up. So this kind of weaves in nicely with Boeing reporting earnings tomorrow before the bell. That's also lower. Stephanie, you own this one. Yeah, the two of us do. Yeah. <laughs> and we have for a really long time. Deliveries. It's all about 737 yep. deliveries. Are they going to increase it from 30 for 737 from 38 a month to 40 that'll help free cash flow if we if we get that number and I think that's what people are expecting but free cash flow is is always what I focus on when when we when we think about Boeing okay and, is, and if that's what you get if you get the 40 number do you stay where you are with your position I'm pretty big because I was buying all the way down <laughs> okay. okay I think she was asking if you sell on a pop no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, no, no. Stephanie are yeah. in this and no. I are in this for the long haul no, I mean okay. the demand is huge in aviation I mean yeah. just look at GE today right right exactly and so let's go there these are all sort of weaving in together nicely General Electric hitting a new 52 week high today I, what do you I guess make of the results which were fairly strong and does GE pick up anything from what's going on with RTX losing out on these jet engines, potentially. Maybe they do, but I mean, they, this company is in a restructuring mode, okay. right? They're spinning off all of the businesses, and so everyone, then the management teams can focus on the, the various different businesses, 100% focused, right? So can management. So they beat, they raised, I mean, organic growth was, uh, orders rather, were up 58%, services up 21%, operating margins expanded 160 basis points. This is not the old GE, and the stock is doing very nicely today, and I think you can still buy it. Yeah, there were a lot of positives in that report. Uh, jet engines, wind, wind energy turbines, raising cash flow, sales forecasts. I mean, it's like. an industrial company growing at 19% year over year in, in revenues. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is quite a restructuring. Well, Alaska Air is down double digits despite reporting <laughs> record quarterly revenue. Jim? Yes, and sometimes in investing, Courtney, you kind of raise your hands and say, what the? Um, okay, pretty, let me tell you what. Let okay. me tell you what, okay? okay. The guidance uh, to some disappointed. Now, let's put this into perspective, okay? The guidance at the midpoint is 30% higher than where analyst estimates were at the beginning of the year. So in seven months, 
We've seen a 30% rise to the guidance now from where the estimates were. This is an incredibly cheap stock. Why is it down 12% today? Because apropos of what I was saying earlier with RTX, anything in the aerospace industry, if you get a whiff of a problem, people are shoot first, ask questions later. Right now, what people are saying is, see, I knew the, the, the golden times for the airline industry couldn't last. I knew that demand is going to fall off. There's really no sign of demand falling off. Um, if some people had some loftier expectations for guidance, I'm sorry, but this is another buying opportunity for a stock that has done nothing but over exceed on operational results, uh, and it's down 12 percent Jim, today. this is why earnings season is silly season, and you get opportunities, and this is why you always have a little extra cash on the yeah. sidelines so you can buy on these, these times, mm -hmm. these quality companies that really get hit for no real reason. There are a lot of moves here today. Josh, I want to make sure that you're involved in this conversation, too. Do you see any opportunity here to put some cash to work in this silly season of earnings? Um, I don't know if it's earnings related, but I want to spotlight something, and I think we made a chart for this. The question now is like, okay, everyone's excited because the rally is broadening out. If you do a ratio chart of, let's say, the Russell into uh, the S&P 500, you can clearly see that the momentum is shifting. It's not that the S&P has to fall, but you're getting much bigger uh, rallies and moves elsewhere uh, away from just the index. And if that continues, I think the next place it stops is the energy stocks. So I want to highlight crude up 1% today, about 79 bucks. Uh, Patty, if you want to, I can't see, but if you're popping <laughs> that chart up, I appreciate it. Um, is, okay, this is the highest level for crude oil, uh, West Texas, since April. And it is now broken out of this trading range. It's been trapped in May, June, July, 90 days, trapped uh, between 67 and 73. Now it's back at the upper end of that range. That 81, 82 level is overhead resistance that dates back to January. So this is a critical level. Let's look at what the stocks are doing. 100% of the XLE components are now above their 50-day moving average. That is the highest reading since November of 2022 for those stocks. 100% are ready to go. 56% of the components in the XLE, which again is the large cap energy stocks, have advanced for four consecutive days. Only, by contrast, look at the S&P 500. Only 14% of S&P 500 components have done the same. So uh, the momentum is shifting, and there's a lot of opportunity here. The S&P is up 19% year to date. The XLE is actually negative five. That's a huge performance differential. A lot of people who are coming late to this rally want to put money to work. The question is where? How do I do it without beclowning myself and buying Microsoft? <laughs> this is how you do it. And if crude happens to break out, coinciding with the outperformance we're starting to see in these stocks, that could be an exciting next leg of the rally. So keep IEO on your screen. That's the ETF with the energy producers. Keep XLE. And then pick your favorite two or three names with the best chart setups. That's what I would be focusing on right now. It does seem to be an area of focus for the market, and obviously Exxon reporting on Friday as well. So we'll get some more information from when the names in the space. We're going to get some headlines right now with Christina Partsonellis. Hi, Christina. Hi, Courtney. A Russian fighter jet flew dangerously close to a U.S. drone over Syria. That's according to the Air Force. The jet was within feet of the drone when it released a flare, causing damage to the propeller. This is at least the third near collision this month between Russian jets and U.S. drones over Syria. 
Another NFL player has been indefinitely suspended for betting on league games. Yoma Owazarike is now the 10th player to be suspended for gambling or betting on other sports while in NFL locker rooms. The Broncos defensive end will be able to petition for reinstatement in July of next year. Europe is taking the lead on expanding availability to charging stations. Lawmakers adopting new rules today requiring fast charging stations be installed every 40 miles along the EU system of highways. And those stations must also allow payments by card or contactless device without a subscription. It's set to take effect in 2025. Maybe that'll happen here. Courtney. We'll see. Christina, thank you very much. Well, up next, our call of the day. This retail stock is down more than 13% in the last three months, but one firm says shares could double. We'll see what the committee thinks. Halftime is right back. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. with our call of the day, UBS getting more bullish on Nike, saying the stock could double. Steph, you own Nike shares. Do you agree with what this note says, although the base case view is that there's a could be a global macro slowdown, but they still think this Nike holds strong. It's a longer term call. It's, they're talking about 650 in earnings power by fiscal 26. Mm. So there's a lot that can happen between now and fiscal 26. That being said, they just reported 323. So that would be a very big jump in earnings if they can get there. And it's predicated on them getting to mid-teens EBIT margins, which mm. is the co- what the company has guided to. And this analyst believes that they can get there because of raw material costs coming down, uh, because of freight costs coming down, because of pricing power, DTC, inventory rebuild. So I get all of, all of it. I don't think there's anything here that changed from this analyst view today. Um, I just think that they're basically looking out and seeing what the opportunities can be. And oh, by the way, it's getting no credit for the turn, slow turn in the consumer in China. And that's another reason why I own it as right. well. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you're making some other moves in retail as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I sold out of Estee Lauder. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it's not a good call by any means. Um, and, that, and that basically is because they just came out with a cybersecurity issue. Mm-hmm. And 
I just think they're going to have to invest more. And so as a result, margins and the expansion that I was expecting mm. to see, it's like it's going to be muted. It's going to take a long, t longer time. Uh, I might go back into it in a couple of quarters because I do think that's how long it's going to take to get re resolution here. Mm. And I put that money into Target simply because the stock is down 26% from its highs. They're doing all the right things in terms of inventories and getting them down substantially. And I do think traffic is going to surprise to the upside. They, off they have a value proposition. And the stock Stock trades at 15 times forward estimates gives you a 3% plus yield. So I'm in that one. So even though you think, even though that the consumer discretionary categories were much weaker than Staples and Target obviously skews higher there than, yeah. say, a Walmart, yep. you have confidence that things can turn around. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're balancing out their mix, right, between, you know, the durables and consumables and discretionary. And so he's been working on changing that. I don't know if they're going to get there in this quarter, but I do think that they still offer the, va the value prop, as I mentioned. And again, the valuation here and the fact that, I mean, people just hate the stock now. Mm -hmm. This has gone from yeah. a loved stock right. to an absolutely hated stock. And I kind of like that risk reward. Okay. One stock Steph, that when, I think is still think, very, oh, go ahead. When, when do you think they margin? Do you think the margins get back to 6%? Yeah, I do. I definitely, okay. especially as inventories come down, yeah. right? And they have been coming down. Yeah. They were in the 40 percent plus range, right? right? And right. so they've come down substantially. And I think that's going to help in the back half of the year. Yeah. Well, one one retail stock I feel like is widely loved is Costco, Jason. That's where 100%. that's where you are right yeah. now. Yeah. An easier one to own. You are <laughs> <laughs> expensive though, yeah. right? Trading yeah, at forty sure. times forward, um, but it's up twenty four percent year to date. They actually, you know, talk about password crackdown and all the crackdowns we've seen. They've done some membership crackdown in the last month. Um, they have 125 million cardholders across the globe. I mean, talk about a renewal stream. Yeah. You know, they're always known for their for their cheap prices on their products. I just think that they've always been a juggernaut. And I do think also as well as a retailer, you know, with some dollar weakness, they have almost 30% of their business overseas. That will also be a tailwind for the stock. Yeah, talk about those renewal rates for Costco are very impressive. Yeah. I think them and Amazon Prime, some of the highest in the mid 90s, mm -hmm. I believe, Definitely. almost year after year. Well, coming up, Cleveland Cliffs rallying on earnings. Jim's been pounding the table on this one. <laughs> if you watch the show ever, you know that. We'll get his take coming up next. Welcome back to Halftime. Cleveland Cliffs shares are higher today after earnings. Jim, you own this one. You've got to be happy. Do your victory lap up 7%. Oh, thank you, Courtney. I feel bad, though, that I've tainted you from afar <laughs> over the years that you know I'm such a big Cliffs uh, proponent. But thank you for that. Um, look, a fabulous quarter. The management team here for some time has been telling you what they're doing, that volumes are going up, selling prices are going up, costs are going down. And what does that all equal? Courtney, it equals free cash flow. Now, here are the free cash flow numbers. If you take this quarter's free cash flow and annualize it. It'll go up and down over the quarters to come, but that's not unreasonable. That's a free cash flow yield on the equity base of about 35%. What have they been doing with that free cash flow? They've been paying down debt. They've got a very low debt level right now. Uh, it's, it's about one times their EBITDA on an annual basis, and they've been buying back shares. So they're, they're doing everything right here. You know, people are going to say, okay, well, what are you going to do for me next? Bottom line is this is an economy that is expanding. All right, people have not wanted to believe that for 
for quite some time, which is why the share price has been depressed. But this is an economy that is expanding. We're building autos. We're building factories. You know, these guys uh, produce steel that went into the I-95 reconstruction a couple months ah. ago. I mean, they're, they're like they're everywhere, including in electric vehicles, which is a high margin business. Things are going right here. It looks like they're going to continue to go right. And the last thing, because I could talk about this for a while, <laughs> is they've done a fabulous do job of decarbonizing the steel industry. This was notoriously, you think of blast furnaces, mm. right? You see smoke going up. Sure. They're moving to hydrogen. They're the, they're the uh, leading edge of getting into hydrogen to produce steel. Uh, and all along the way, they've been reducing their carbon footprint. That's something worth noting. And, of course, cutting costs, as a number of other companies have been as well. Yep. Uh, Stephanie, you're not in this name, but no. Freeport MacRan is one year. I used to be in this name, okay. and I sold it. I was up 40% in, like, two months, and I mm. put it into Freeport a couple of months ago. And then I just added to it on Friday because they reported earnings, and the stock fell 4%, mm. back to silly earnings season. Um, but they beat, right, and uh, total revenues and earnings. They had better pricing power on copper, and copper actually is starting to perk up again. And their costs came down. A billion dollars, uh, a little less than a billion dollars in debt so they've really worked on their balance sheet which I like and it trades at nine times EBITDA so I just kind of felt like I wanted to be bigger and then of course if we ever do get stimulus in China the stock is going to take off for and sure. it's up four percent today well stay with us grade my trade is coming up next on halftime It's time for Grade My Trade. For Jason, one viewer bought Honeywell at $200.10. Grade this trade. So I give you a solid B here. Obviously, the price action in Honeywell hasn't been great this year. It's down around 2%. But I, I, I still like this aerospace and defense player. EPS growth is a little over 8% going forward. And I think that the materials and technology business um, has a lot of catalysts going forward. So I, I like this here. Stephanie, this one's for you. Will in St. Louis bought 100 shares of GE Healthcare at 82.50 in June. Is this a buy, a sell, or a hold? Yeah, I would buy it. They reported today it was a very good number. They beat, they raised, they had organic growth of 6%. Uh, they had uh, overall orders were very strong. Um, I just think that the stock's up 35% and the expectations were really high into the print. So you use this weakness to be buying and averaging into it. I'd go. give it an A. There you go. Get on sale then today. Final <laughs> trades are coming up on halftime. We're back. It's not too late to sign up for our game plan. The event is happening today. It's hosted by CNBC and Boardroom, bringing together the most influential leaders across the sports landscape. Scott Wapner will be live in L.A., but you can join online. For details, scan the QR code right here on the screen or visit CNBCEvents.com slash game plan. Well, it is time for the final trades. Josh, you're up first. What do you got? I think Live Nation gets back above 100, doesn't stop till it sees 110. I'm long the stock. I still like it. Okay, it's not far from 100 right now. Jason, how about you? I like M&T Bank, really solid EPS beat in the last quarter. And I like this acquisition of People's United Financial. I like it. Stephanie Link, your final trade. I like 3M. It was a very good beat and raise this morning. Operating margins beat by 300 basis points. Free cash flow grew 44%. Stock still down 8% of the year. Mm -hmm. Trades at 12 times earnings. Okay, and Jim. 
NXP Semiconductors, very attractively priced semiconductor company. Over 50% of their business is automotive. We know that there's a huge production catch-up going on in automotive, uh, in car production. Uh, they're raising prices. Excellent results yesterday. Uh, very forgiving multiple at 16 times. 2% dividend yield. I'll leave it there. Okay. <laughs> well, the markets here are still higher on this session, but Dow Jones Industrials uh, higher by about two-tenths of a percent. NASDAQ also higher by eight-tenths of a percent. The S&P 500 higher by four-tenths of a percent. Materials leading the way. Real estate, the laggard. That does it for halftime. The exchange starts now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report Disclaimer. People today can spend half their lives over 50, so it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.